0: Welcome back to Fisher Link, a podcast presented by Fisher Inc. magazine for the Fisher College of Business to highlight stories in and around Ohio State they may not have heard about. My name is Grant Powelson, and I'm the Vice President of Podcasts for Fisher Inc. This episode, we are fortunate to have with us two of our very own fishermen from the Department of Marketing and Logistics. First, we have Michael Kniemeyer, Professor of Logistics, Research Fellow for the National Center for the Middle Market, Research Associate for the Global Supply Chain Forum an executive education instructor of over 100 individual sessions in the United States, Europe, Asia, and South America. His work has been published in professional journals such as the Harvard Business Review, Transportation Journal, Journal of Business Logistics, and the International Journal of Logistics Management. Professor Kniemeyer is accompanied by Terry Esper, Associate Professor of Logistics, Adjunct Professor of Supply Chain Management, the University of Iowa's Italy MBA program, member of the Ohio State University Senate and Faculty Council, Fisher Diversity and Inclusion, Fisher Executive Education Committee, and Faculty Leader for Study Abroad Programs to Panama. The list of achievements goes on and on for both these gentlemen, no doubt, but the reason they're here today is to discuss the importance of having a global mindset and the resources offered here at Fisher to help students develop this way of thinking. Thank you both for joining me today.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Nice to meet you.
0: Yeah. Do you each mind introducing yourselves, offering a bit about your background, and what got each of you interested in education abroad?
1: Sure, my Here, I'll let you first. <laughs> let go first. Yeah, I'll go for first. <laughs> well, um... I, I'm a, I'm Terry Esper. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, I am on faculty here at Fisher. And, um, you know, I would say that, you know, my, my background is in logistics. I've worked in logistics prior to becoming an academic. I worked for Hallmark Cards uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, their corporate headquarters, where I was responsible for managing the logistics um, operations and, and transportation of its product to the market. Um, and um, and around the time that I was uh, thinking about going back to school and getting a PhD and becoming a uh, an academic. I was responsible for hallmark.com and standing up the first .com uh, order fulfillment operation for Hallmark's online platform. And so th- those experiences really shaped um, shaped a lot of my thinking as an academic. And, and to be honest, when I was at a Hallmark, I had this wonderful opportunity to, um, to do some global travel and work on a global project. And um, I didn't take it. And partly because I had not really done that much in the way of global travel. And the idea of, of you know, traveling the world and being in countries that I was not familiar with, it was kind of, um, it, it was a bit intimidating, to be honest. And so I opted, you know, not to take that opportunity and instead focus on some other things. But that was one of those... Um, Regrets that I had, if you will, that when I look back over my career, I really regretted not taking advantage of that opportunity. And so that kind of you know stayed with me as I uh, migrated into academia. And so when, when I became a professor and had an opportunity to do global travel and then had an opportunity to facilitate global exposure for students, that was really uh, something I, I wanted other students to not have to live with that regret that there was an opportunity to maybe see and do things beyond the four walls of the United States. And maybe they didn't have an opportunity to take advantage of that. So I wanted to make sure that I provided students with an option and an opportunity to be able to get that kind of global exposure as, as early as possible.
0: I'm glad you got your second chance to do so. As well. Yeah, I am
1: too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: I guess it's my turn.
0: Yes, sir. <laughs> All
2: right. Uh, well, I'm, a, I'm an Ohio guy. You know, um, I always tell my classes I was, I was born on campus uh, over at the hospital. Um, my dad was an Ohio State student, and uh, I, I don't remember, but uh, my mom tells me of times uh, living on Norwich Avenue just off campus and as a little kid. That's where you live. Uh, yes, yes it is. And um, actually, my son lives on Norwich right now, so it's, it's sort of come full circle. Wow. Uh, uh, so I grew up in, in Ohio. I live in Yellow Springs, uh, which some somebody you're probably familiar with. I went to undergrad at uh, John Carroll University up in Cleveland. So people may uh, be up in the Cleveland area and actually uh, majored in marketing and logistics. So I was primarily a marketing person and sort of found logistics and really enjoyed it. And that's, that's sort of led me down this path. Uh, Once I got out of uh, John Carroll, I went and worked for a few years at Annixter Brothers, which is a big distributor. Uh, So I was in an inside sales job. So I interacted with logistics folks, but it was really more of a sales job Uh, and made a decision. I wanted to go back for a PhD and uh, was heading down to the University of Maryland where I had made some connections and uh, felt like I needed a little bit more work experience. So I worked for CSX uh, in their intermodal division. Uh, and really had a great opportunity there to work with some, some really wonderful managers um, who taught me a lot about uh, what's important in business. And I got to work across various functions, and you know, I, I really valued that experience. And it almost pulled me away from, from academics, and in all honesty. There was a moment where I said, ah, maybe this is what I want to do. Uh, but I went back, got uh, my PhD at Maryland, and um, like Terry... Uh, I didn't do a lot of international travel growing up. You know, I, I, I did a small kid from Ohio, and you know, my family uh, uh, an international trip was going to Kentucky. You know, <laughs> going, going across the going across the river. Uh, but well, I had this wonderful wife that I met at my first job, at my job at CSX, and uh, when I graduated from Maryland, she her her gift to me for graduation was to go to Europe. So and that was my first opportunity to go to Europe and to, and to travel to Germany and. And spend some time there and and it just was like man this is exactly i wish i would have done this like terry was saying i wish i would have done this um when i was younger and, and growing up and in college or in you know in various uh, roles uh after doing that, you know, and as I started working my academic career, that was that was something that just sort of planted a seed as something I wanted for others. You know, it's, it's I, every place I've ever worked, I have said, okay, I wanted to develop programs that will give our students a global perspective because it changed the way I looked at things in a pretty meaningful way. And and I think it's such an important thing for your growth you know, to have an international perspective. And definitely from a logistics supply chain perspective, we're all about moving things and moving people all around the world. And uh, we have to have
0: that perspective. So would you say that was a deciding factor for you deciding where to work? Deciding where to work in terms of
2: Ohio State or?
0: Or just in general, like having a global experience?
2: Yeah, I, I think that it, it just opens up the doors to what's possible. You know, so much more. I, I my, my vision of what was possible in my career greatly expanded after I you know, got out of that comfort zone of just you know the people you know that small community that you know, and you know, force yourself to grow a little bit. I don't know, Terry, you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think in in many ways, you know, I would say, to, you know, to your question, Grant, um, you know, for me, I think it was in, in many ways a, a choice or a factor that you know led to me choosing to join up with Ohio State. I was at a few universities before Ohio State, and I think when when I when I look at the student body at Ohio State, when I think of the, you know, just the, 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 the makeup of our students uh, from an international perspective, you know, that was definitely something that I, I thought was a plus that, you know, I would have an opportunity to engage with students from um, from a broader range of, places uh, at Ohio State than maybe I did at some of the other universities where I worked prior where those universities definitely had global reach and had global students, but it just wasn't as, uh, as sizable uh, at those other universities. So that was definitely one of the, the factors that I considered when deciding to uh, become a faculty member here at OSU. I think the, the office of global
2: business that we have at Fisher you know, not, not all universities have that type of, of commitment to resources to support students and yeah. obtaining these global experiences. So, you know, I maybe didn't realize it at the time when I came to Ohio State, but very quickly I made connections with that group. And, you know, I, I think they're superstars in terms of what they do for our students.
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. If I could piggyback on that, I mean, I, I think one of that, that was definitely a game changer for me um, once I engaged with our, you know, um, office here at Fisher, you know, I had done this uh, study abroad programming before at other universities and it was a heavy lift. There's so much that goes along with developing study abroad programs. And so I was responsible for a lot of those things at uh, at my prior institutions. And then when I uh, struck up a conversation with our folks here and just the level of support that they provided, I'm like, geez, yeah, we've got to do this because the infrastructure of support it's just night and day compared to what I had experienced at other places. And so needless to say, that was definitely one of those factors that really facilitated me not only being here at OSU, but then, you know, getting more inspired to develop global programming.
0: Okay. So could each of you describe your respective programs that are being offered this year and perhaps how they would typically be structured if it wasn't for the complications of COVID-19?
2: Um, I do freshman global lab. Uh, and it's targeted towards uh, students that are ending their freshman year. And typically we go uh, in May uh, over to Hamburg, Germany, and spend two weeks um, doing coursework and also doing some interaction, culture interaction. Uh, We uh, hear lectures from uh, people who um, are active in the logistics uh, in Europe, um, and we tour facilities in Europe and, see, and really use it as a comparison and contrast. Uh, students who partake in that program also get credit for ML 3380, which is the logistics core class, uh, which I know you just took. Um, so uh, it's, it's a very, uh, very much a targeted program towards freshmen. I think.
1: So, so my program is, is still relatively new. And, and because of that, we're still kind of um, navigating through um, through the makeup of it. But uh, so last year, I was a part of the global business, um, global business uh, excursion program. And we had a spring break um, study abroad program uh, to Panama, in Central America. And so basically, we have a few sessions prior to departure, to level set, to uh, kind of do some uh, conversations and, and engage in some discussions around uh, Latin America and business in Latin America. And then we spent the entirety of spring break in a country where we had an opportunity to uh, meet with local uh, business uh, executives in a number of areas of course panama does have a very strong logistics and supply chain orientation because of the panama canal but we spend a lot of time uh, at banks and at um uh, at an airline and um with uh, we, we visit uh procter and gamble whose latin american headquarters is there in panama city panama So the goal of our study abroad program, although it does have a heavy logistics flair because of the nature of the country, really the focus is more on doing business in Latin America. And Panama City has emerged as one of those epicenters of business in all of Latin America. So the the program is really emphasizing, uh, you know, all of LATAM and um, what are some of the unique issues that we face as more and more companies attempt to do business in Latin America, and just what, what you know—what are the unique and idiosyncratic um, uh, uh, impediments that we oftentimes see when it comes to doing business in Latin America? Now, of course, that was all pre-COVID, right? And in fact, our program was in-country when we started to see the announcements of the shutdowns. And in fact, I got back in, uh, back to the US on March 17. So that just goes to show you how closely we were to the shutdowns. So of course, our program is changing now with, with COVID. And so we're now offering a virtual component or a virtual rendition of this or a virtual version of this experience. And we will essentially take a lot of those visits and a lot of those activities and convert them to a virtual experience to allow students that same opportunity to get the exposure, maybe not go in country, but as much as we can replicate um, what, what it would be like to visit those companies and talk to those executives. And to be honest, I think it also allows us to tap into a group of students that may not have had the wherewithal, uh, the resources, or maybe even the time to do a full-blown study and go in country. So I think it's gonna allow us a different uh, way of, of reaching more students to provide that, that global experience.
0: Yeah, certainly, because it it still allows students to to be in home and participating yeah, at the yeah, same so time, I suppose, right?
2: And we have talked a lot about that in our in our logistics group. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of what Terry's doing with with his um, with his program in terms of how how to adapt to COVID at least in the short term. Um, you know, our, our plan on my program is to is to delay and, and sort of see hopefully hopefully it goes at the normal time. And if we maybe need to push the the dates a little bit, we can try to do that. Um, I, but I, I think this virtual option is something um, something that'll be around. Um, I, I Like going to Terry's comment, just making it more accessible for our students to to go. You know, I can only take a certain number of students. I you know, it's me and one staff person, and and you know, it's hard enough for me to travel with my two kids or three kids <laughs> on a trip to, to take thirty uh, <laughs> to, to to Europe is is pretty daunting. Um, so, you know, I, again, I think it's, it's, it's forced us to be creative, but I think it's going to make us better because it's going to give us another option uh, to do this, which is, I think, wonderful. Yeah,
0: yeah I, hadn't, I hadn't considered these benefits that might be offered by it as well. And yeah, so we're, we're doing the
2: same in our, in our research, right? So, you know, yeah. we, we typically we would travel to conferences and interact with our colleagues all over the world, and we haven't been able to do that. Uh, but right now we are, we're doing a series of research seminars Uh, with Copenhagen Business School and WHU, which is in uh, Germany. Uh, And we're we're actually meeting this week uh, with that group. And it's, again, not exactly like we would love it to be, but uh, it definitely has been effective and and important for us to do.
0: Yeah. Okay. So why is it important to have a global mindset? And how might might a global pandemic have affected this importance? Mm.
1: Well, you know, I think it's important when we think about the fact of, you know, I, I think it, one of the things that COVID-19 has done, it has really um, essentially shattered this notion that, you know, time and space um, and being together in one place is necessary to get things done. And, you know, I've been spending a lot of time talking to executives from a number of companies, and what they have talked about is how they are now able to engage with their, you know, offices that are uh in, in Asia or their offices that are in Europe and do work collaboratively um, in new ways. And all of that was basically accelerated by the COVID-19 pandemic. But I think what it's also pointing to is that, you know, business is global and more and more we're finding that companies are expecting students that are graduating out of, you know, undergraduate programs and MBA programs to to have some idea of, you know, what business is like beyond just in the USA. And so I think that that global mindset uh, is, is just so important as we continue to uh, offer programming uh, to, to, to develop our students and to develop our students in a way that they're ready to hit the ground running on day one uh, post-graduation. And I think a big part of that more and more uh, and increasingly is understanding some aspect of global business. Now, you know, of course, there are so many regions of the world and, and there's so much uh, uniqueness to studying in Germany when we compare it to studying in Panama. But also there are a lot of commonalities, which is understanding how, um, how the U.S. is viewed through other people's perspectives and lenses and, 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 and viewpoints, um, you know, understanding that, you know, our ways may not be the quote-unquote right ways and just even getting used to small things like the differences between time zones and language barriers and customs and social mores and things that really do sensitize our students to a broader perspective of the world and so i I think it is not only important it is becoming even more increasingly uh, vital to being competitive in the marketplace and so um I, i think you know, ultimately to kind of wrap this up, you know, it's just important that that global mindset is really a contemporary uh, re- requirement in, in many cases, um, and I think the the pandemic has done nothing more than just to accelerate that by by uh, by by firms recognizing the need for you know uh, or, or the abilities to work collaboratively with you know global partners in new ways, and I think that that's going to stick post COVID nineteen
2: yeah and I think just the you know the technology we're sitting here in three different places having a conversation Um, and you know we've kind of got to the point now where we just oh okay this is how you do things and I think in the past you know uh, students coming out if you maybe you had an interest in you know a global position maybe you do an expat where you go over to a country and you spend a couple of years over there and then come back home and you know that was your development plan I think the expectation is you hit the ground, you, you, you have to have a global mindset from day one. Um, and it may be that you're interacting over some type of technology platform, but you, like Terry was saying, you have to understand the cultures, you have to understand uh, the differences in the way businesses are done. And I, and I do think we tend here in the U.S. to be very mild to think about our ways, the way to do it. And we don't really have an appreciation for what we can learn from other, other ways of, of looking at business. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think it's it's becoming a, a, a must have skill for for our students um, to feel very comfortable in a global uh, setting, um, whether it's virtual or it's in person.
1: Yeah, I'll just I'll just even that give you another great. example of that. Um, you know, this is it just happened to me just two days ago. I was invited to do a welcome, uh, welcome remarks. I, I serve in leadership in one of our big uh, academic organizations, the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, and our European CSCMP group is having a, a conference here in a couple uh, weeks. And um, as the chair of that academic community, they asked me to do a welcome, uh, some welcome remarks. And they said, well, you know, you can record them because it'll be at like two or three in the morning. And I'm like, no, I'll just get up and do the welcome remarks at two or three in the morning um, so that I could do them live. And no, like, oh, you can record them. I'm like, yeah, I know I can, but I would prefer to do it live so that it is truly, um, uh, uh, you know, that so that I'm there in the moment. Um, that that's what I mean. Understanding that you know business you know goes on and that it does require us sometimes to be inconvenienced to wake up at two or three in the morning in order to engage with. Um, colleagues that are seven hours uh, ahead of us, but, you know, and, and they're starting their morning while we're in the middle of our slumber. But but sometimes it does require some of those inconveniences in order to get the work done. And I think that the abilities to even be welcoming to something like that, that that's one of those little small things that a global mindset offers is the ability to understand that sometimes we've got to do things at at unopportune times or even inconveniencing times in a way but that's just what it takes when, when we truly are global citizens with global mindsets
0: yeah that's a great point so how might an experiences abroad affect an individual's employability
2: i think it says a lot about an individual you know it's it, the AA it says you're not afraid to try something very much out of your comfort zone and you know i, I think that you know, as uh, as companies look at you, those are those are things that just jump off of a resume, right? Um, again, my son was lucky enough to do a global internship as part of the STEP program. Uh, he's Fish Fisher student. Uh, spent some time over in uh, Sydney, Australia, working for a company. And I was looking at his resume the other day, and I was like, "Man, this this just jumps jumps out at me. It's like, okay, I want to know more about that. Yeah, I think if you you know when you're going out on the job market, you're trying to differentiate yourself." You know, and I think it says a lot about you as a person in terms of your, your confidence and, you know, your perspective, like like Terry's been saying, a global perspective towards things versus more, you know, Ohio perspective.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would just echo that. I, I think you're right on, Mike. And um, and and again, I, I think it, it just enhances your employability. But but also I think it, it really does. In my opinion, I think it also gives you some, you know, I have found that students who have studied abroad, they all say like, oh, that interview that I just had with X company was just phenomenal because we had such a great conversation and it all hunkered on and, and revolved around my study abroad experience. They wanted to know what did I learn and, and how did that go and what were the takeaways and how did it shape my thinking about things? And so I, I think it's, it's, it's oftentimes... You know, a great conversation uh, stimulator to to have that on your resume. Um, And and it just gives you an ability to truly convey that you are moving towards becoming a true global citizen. It it suggests that you are um, that you're malleable and you are open to maybe some experiences that might require a, a bit of a global assignment. It suggests that you're open to getting up at two and three in the morning if you need to in order to do a meeting with colleagues that might be in Europe. Um, I think it just says a lot about you when you have that that global experience from an employability
0: perspective. Yeah, you know, just that one line on the paper says all of that, I suppose. Yeah, right, it really, really does. So, kind of building off of that, would you say that maybe having global experience could be even more important than an internship or work experience? I
2: don't think I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's yeah. I think it's it's all a package. Like I I, I wouldn't. I think everything matters, right? Your your the classes you take, the internships you have, the clubs you're involved with, the leader posi- leadership positions you're involved with. But I also think you you've got to have the story behind it, right? It, it, you have to be able to articulate why each of these things that you do. Was done for, for in a meaningful way, and you got something out of it. And you can you can tell somebody who's talking to you about it, what you got out of it. It's not just about checking boxes, right? Um, so you know, one of the things I I have my students do on our on our global trip is they have to journal, uh, and then I do a video journal at the end of the trip, and I, I really say, you know, what? How did this change you? How did this, you know, how did you evolve because of this? And that's those are the stories that you'll tell in interviews. Those are the stories that you'll tell as you're you know, trying to work your way into organizations and get your career started.
1: Yeah, I, I would. All, I would also just just echo what with, with Mike what you said at the beginning. Like, I wouldn't go that far. I think a global experience is definitely important, but that that internship experience and having um, so I think there are a few things here, right? That internship experience really shows that when you say that you're majoring in logistics or that you're majoring in finance, that you have some work experience and that you've seen it in action. And and that just really, in many ways, solidifies my trust in the fact that you really do have something, that there's something about this work that you really do like, right? Because there's something, there's one thing to to take these classes and learn about it. But when you see it in action and when you're working behind and you're shadowing executives and then you still persist and say, this is what you want to do, that is important. And so I think that work experience element, through an internship is is it's going to provide that factor that yeah you 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 are really seriously interested in this discipline uh, for the beginning of your career. The global experience will then just add on top of that. You know, it'll it'll provide not only are you interested in what you say you're interested in by what you've majored in and, and you're still interested in it after doing some work in it, right? But then over and above that, you have also opened your mind by studying abroad and doing a global experience that that just adds another layer of employability on top of that internship. Uh, but but I, I don't think it replaces an internship. I think it enhances it.
2: Yeah, and we're, we're pretty sensitive to that because, you know, we, we, both of us teach in the logistics area, which I think it has a lot of preconceptions on what that is. And, and a lot of students don't necessarily you know have that ability to really interact with what a logistics major can bring to you. And, you know, I see these uh, global managers who are working at major 3PLs around the world in analyst positions and, de- you know, design positions. And, and it's saying, this is so much more than a warehouse in some place in Southern Ohio. This, is, this, is, this has really got a lot of opportunities. Um, and internships, these global experiences, they all open your eyes to what's possible. And that's, I think, one of the reasons Terry and I both sort of see a lot about it, particularly for our major. Uh, to get students to to get involved. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I can't skip out an internship for a study abroad program. You can just do it like my
2: son did, knock them both out. <laughs> do a do a global internship. Uh... There you go. <laughs> I, I think the one thing I've noticed about I always tell my students because I get them so young uh, is you know it's my program is a gateway. Or like my my hope would be they you know they do my program, then they decide to do Terry's program or do mm-hmm. another. Fisher global internship or do something else, to, you know, do a semester abroad. Yeah. Uh, again, that um, it, it opens the door that you want to do it or they do it after graduation, right? And they, they say, OK, maybe I'm going to look at a master. I have a couple of students that are looking at uh, grad programs in, in Europe. And, you know, I think that because they've taken a little bit more open look at what their career potential is, um, those are those are now options for them. So I, I like that.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I, if, if I can add to that, I think there's something to be said about this because we're, we're talking about these kind of in isolation, but the reality is that most students are going to kind of do these things as a part of their trajectory through uh, the college. And so I like what you're saying there, Mike, that you know there, there are some programs that allow students the ability to get that global exposure early. I think if you do that, it really is a gateway. It opens the door for a lot more internships because you've already had that global experience when you start to look for that internship, maybe that next, Summer, for example, um, and um, and in many cases, you know, I've had students that have gone on study abroad with me, and then the next summer they're they're working. Or, you know, many of them have interviewed while they were there or developed a relationship with the company and stayed in contact with the key, uh, the key contact from that company. And that opened up an opportunity to do an internship. And so I've had students that one summer studied abroad with me. And then the next year when I took another crop of students, uh, those students were there working at the company and, and talking to us about what they were working on that summer. And so I do think that there are opportunities to really kind of stack these things where um, where, where you can really get all of these experiences in during your time, particularly as an undergraduate student. And I think one way to do that is to hit the ground running with that global experience if you can. Like the earlier you can get that, that really does set you up to be able to get some really good internships and some other additional experiences in that junior to senior year.
0: All right, well, I'm convinced for sure. So. <laughs> how have the other international programs offered within Fisher beyond your own responded to accommodate students who are still seeking involvement in global programs?
2: I don't know a lot about the other, other programs. I just yeah. seen the recent announcements and I know of carries efforts. Um, I think a lot of them are looking yeah. at these virtual options, uh, which, which again, I think is a, is a very uh, meaningful experience. And, you know, I've heard Terry kind of some of the things he has planned for his program and I'm, I'm sitting there, this is perfect. You know, this is, this is something that addresses the need, given what we're facing here with COVID. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, it's something that I think really opens the door to a broader market of students to get them that experience as we move forward. Um, so you know, my assumption is that yeah. some of the other, other uh, programs are doing similar things, but I, I don't know for sure.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, there, you know, I, I think it's still a wait and see game, you know, so much about global experience and global infusion into, you know, kind of your experiences was about the global travel element, like that was the major part of it. And so when you take that off the table, it's like, well, what's left? Um, and so we, we have, you know, flirted and we're flirting with this virtual thing. And I say flirting with, because we, we're venturing into areas that we don't quite know. Um, I, I will say... One, one, one little tidbit here, so we were in country, in Panama, when the outbreak was starting to really, you know, uh, grow uh, dramatically. So much so that a lot of the companies that we had planned to visit could not invite us into their facilities. I mean, and we had those cancellations, they were coming like the day of, like we were dressed and ready to leave. And they were, we would get a call and say, sorry, we won't be able to allow you guys to come into our facilities. So we actually ended up doing virtual meetings with like Hewlett Packard and D.H.L. So we, we had already kind of migrated some of that uh, activity last uh, spring break to virtual. So we were in Panama, but we were in hotel rooms in front of computers on Zoom talking to executives that were right across town. But they could not allow us to enter th- their facilities because of the safety precautions relative to the outbreak. Um, and so we had already flirted a little bit with the virtual space and it, it works. It's not like being there and seeing things uh, in person, but it definitely does give you uh, a taste of what it's like in those in those areas. And so we're gonna try to build on that full blown. I know there's only maybe one or two programs that are currently exploring the virtual space um, and we're gonna really document it and, and hopefully we'll, we'll we'll have some key takeaways that we can share. You know, another big part, of course, about this global uh, experience is not just the uh, content, but it's also the social elements. And so we're 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 now you know brainstorming on how we're going to do that. One thing we're talking about, for example, is a virtual cooking class to. You know cook a panamanian dish we're gonna have uh panama hats for all of our students and do some things about the history of the panama hat and all students will get one and we'll take some crazy virtual photo with all of us in our respective places um coffee is a real big uh uh uh, business in panama and so we're going to do panamanian coffee and and have someone talk about the history of their uh family's coffee farms and and why that is such a big uh product market in panama is such a big part of their economy um and and so again trying to infuse not only the business side of of uh latin america and panama but even some of the cultural elements um and and we're trying it out we'll see how it works Uh, i'm excited about it but it's definitely different and i don't know that we have too many more programs in fisher that are currently pivoting to virtual because once you take that in-country global excursion travel to the country off the table you know, it, it really does take away a big, big part of what the whole programs are about.
0: Yeah, it's hard to replace that. I could see. It. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's tough.
0: As for your virtual program, is the application available for that yet? And what do the costs look like?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, uh, you know, it is a course, uh, and and there is a course number associated with it. So it will be a part of your registered you know courses. There there won't be a program fee this time, and so there's not a cost for it um, th- this time. Um, and, and, um, and, and and a part of that is because of the resources that are made available to us uh, through Fisher to, to support this kind of programming and to offer our students these kinds of opportunities. Um, the course is listed. In fact, I think I just got an email maybe about an hour or two ago that the course is now listed. Um, and I wish I knew the course number right off, but I don't. I apologize. But uh, yeah, so, so it's, it's there and it's available and it is a one and a half credit course. And it'll be in the second half of the spring semester. Well,
0: that's excellent. That's that's yeah. one thing
2: our, our global business group is is constantly looking at is trying to make these programs as affordable as they can be for students. You know, we we we're constantly, you know, the experience versus the budget. Constantly looking at that, and, and um, you know, for example, um, when when we go to Germany, we stay in hostels. In, in the past, we have and I, I don't know what the with COVID with the what the rules will be, but. Um, you know, it's not like we're staying at the best places and, and down. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, it's, it, and again, it's to make it, make it available to people. You know, you don't want this to be only people who can afford it. You know, you want it to be uh, something and there's scholarships available. There's, there's, uh, lots of different organizations that are, they're trying to make these, um, experiences available to everybody. And that's, that's the ultimate goal is that if somebody really wants to do this, that there's a way to, there's a path to do it.
0: And STEP as In step, well. Step, step, and I'm, I'm a yeah. STEP
2: faculty advisor and I probably have a third of my students who are looking at that and targeting that as their, their STEP proposal.
1: You know, I, I would also say, too, when you talk about costs, and that's such a great point, Mike, you know, it's one of the reasons why uh, I, I'm really jazzed up about our programming in Panama, because Panama is not very far. I mean, it's a quick flight from Miami, you know, within, a, I would say, a, a two hour flight from Miami and we're already in Panama. Um, and so uh, it, it's very reasonable from a, a cost perspective. I mean, we had students that were buying tickets last year to Panama. That were cheaper than some domestic flights, and and, um, and and so it's a very short hop over to uh, down to Panama, and um, and the cost of, of of food and lodging in Panama is very very reasonable compared to within the United States, and so not only do we have a wonderful opportunity to learn about a, an entirely uh, different you know business environment, but we have an opportunity to do it without you know, requiring extensive amounts of money to travel and extensive amounts of money for lodging and food. And so we, we try to keep the costs as, as manageable as possible so that we can provide that access to as many students that want to go. And especially for those that might find that the financial obligations of some of the others may not be, uh, be, be, be uh, uh, commensurate with what they can spend at that time
0: well that's great yeah i think that that'd be available for a lot of people then if the costs are so low i hadn't realized honestly i thought that would be expensive you know staying in the marriott hotels as much as they don't 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 interpret
2: hostels as being a bad place you know one i I would say the (laughs) most important um variable is safety of the students you know that's that's something that you know where we stay what area of the town we stay in we each of us have to go through training the faculty every year i go through training you know Uh, about safety and security to make sure that it's a a great experience you know the the thing I want is the students to go over there have a wonderful experience learn a lot about uh, logistics come back want to do more you know and and just you know go back home talk to their parents their friends and say you know I can't wait till the next trip Um, that's the that's the best case
0: so What are some other ways that we can be exposed to and interact with other cultures, even here at home, you know, maybe other than a a program such as yours?
2: Obviously, there's we have a very um, international student body, you know, there's Internet. I go to the the, I can't remember the name of the event where they do the food tasting uh, uh, every year.
0: Taste of OSU. yeah yeah
2: taste the OSU, and and you know I, I do that I walk around and try the different booths and that that opens up you know we all the clubs that we have I think we have so many different countries i I think uh, we talked yesterday maybe we don't have anybody from Panama at Ohio State currently. Yeah. but I know but but for most <laughs> countries we have we have people who are on campus and and you know it's unfortunate I think a lot of times we sort of operate in little bubbles and we don't interact as much as we as we should and you know we don't realize the the value of doing that so um, I, I would say you look around, you know, look around the classes. You know, be willing to to reach out to somebody who is from a, maybe a little bit different uh, background than than yourself, um, whether it's in a club or at some event.
1: Yeah, I would just echo that. I think there are so many resources available from, you know, uh, you know, engaging with other students, and you know, even even here in Columbus. I mean, Columbus just you know has a very very. Uh, you know, global and, and eclectic, you know, restaurant scene. And, there, and there's just so much of an opportunity to really um, expand and to broaden horizons and perspectives here in Columbus and associated with OSU. So I would just say really leaning into that, really kind of pushing yourself to go out of the comfort zone to really, you know, explore some things and and, and find out, you um, you know how, how things might be different in other areas of the world um you know even beyond that i think there's ways to you know connect with um y- you know uh, uh other other students from from other universities that we have partnerships with and relationships with uh so i do know that uh th- there are even opportunities there to maybe connect and, and to leverage the osu connections and partnerships with other universities around the world and, and, you know, maybe developing some connections with other students and engaging in some exchange just to, just to learn and to grow and and to expand on, uh, you know, what it means to be a student in the U S versus maybe a student in Italy or a student in Germany, for example.
2: One other thing I just add on top is, is, you know, don't hesitate to talk to faculty with international experience too. You know, I, I look at our logistics faculty and, it, 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 it makes me very proud to sort of see the, the global nature of it. You know, we have uh, Terry is very well connected down in Latin America and Panama. Uh, Professor Croxton, who's done uh, work uh, service work in Africa. Uh, we've got uh, professors from China. We've got professors from Brazil. We've got, you know, again just a, a wide a variety of experiences that we as faculty have been able to have over our careers. And, you know, that's one of the things we love to share with students. So during an office hours, you know, if you hear some story in class about one of our one of our international experiences, you know, make sure to bring that back up. because uh, we, we like talking about those experiences.
0: OK, well, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak today. It's been great talking with you both. And good oh, talking to you. you. Yeah. For more information about the global opportunities offered by Fisher, visit fisher.osu.edu slash global opportunities. And that's it for this episode of Fisher Link. Fisher Link is presented by Fisher Inc., the student-run magazine for the Fisher College of Business. I'm Grant Powellson, the vice president of podcasts for Fisher Link, and I'd like to thank Charlotte Geary, the president of Fisher Inc., and our guests today for m- making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review, check out our past episodes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Mag for updates on future episodes. Fisher link is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and on FishRankMag.com, where you can stay informed on all things Fisher. Thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks!